Hi, this is John, by the way, and today I'm looking at 1 Nephi 11 through 15, which is Nephi's vision of Lehi's dream. And Nephi wants to see what his father saw, the great spacious building, the iron rod, the tree, all of that stuff. And he prays about this, and I like to say it's kind of like the angel brought in another television. And he's looking back and forth. In fact, the PowerPoint slide I use in my class shows two big screen TVs. And on one of them is the vision of the tree of life. And on the other one is a vision of the life of Christ. And the angel kind of puts these two together in a way that Lehi did not, or at least that we don't have Lehi saying that he did. So what I'd like to do first is give you the Dieter F. Uchtdorf, 30,000-foot view. If we are flying above 1 Nephi 11 through 14 in particular, we will see Jesus' life and mission in the latter half of 1 Nephi 11. We'll see the future of the Nephites in 1 Nephi 12. We'll see the Gentiles in America in 1 Nephi 13 and the first part of 14. We'll see a formation of the great and abominable church in 1 Nephi 14 verses 9 through 14, so the mid part. And then we will see outline of events that are seen by John the Revelator in 1 Nephi 14, 18 through 27. So the last part. So Nephi gets, I think, a lot more than he bargained for. It kind of reminds me of Joseph Smith could have said, all I wanted to know is which church to join. <laughs> Look what happened. So as we start 1 Nephi chapter 11, Nephi is led to an exceedingly high mountain. Now, mountains are like nature's temples. I'm in 1 Nephi 11, 2. They take effort to reach. They give you magnificent perspective. Mountains were the first thing to be seen when the waters receded in the creation story. So mountains are thought to be holy places. And interestingly, the Spirit says in verse 2, What desirest thou? And Nephi says, I desire to behold the things which my father saw. And the angel says, Believest thou thy father saw the tree of which he hath spoken? Verse 4, verse 5, Yea, thou knowest that I believe all the words of my father. Verse 6, And the spirit cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna to the Lord, the Most High God. Even above all, blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the Most High God. Now, notice that. Do you believe your father saw the tree? Yeah. Yea, Nephi, you believe in the Son of God. The tree is a symbol of Christ. And then something that I think is really interesting is a word the angel uses about, let me see, 13 times, and that is the word look. In verse 8, it came to pass, the Spirit said unto me, look, the Spirit and an angel, because I think a different narrator comes down in a minute in verse 13 or 14. So angel says, look, and what do you see? I, this idea, I know, is something that Elder David A. Bednar, who's taught us a lot about teaching, he, he loves this. You know how Moroni was approached by Amaron when he was 10 years old, and Amaron said, I perceive that thou art a sober child and art quick to observe. The method of the teaching here of the spirit and the angel is not to tell him something, but to say, look, what do you see? What do you observe? And then once Nephi 
makes a statement, the angel can, can give him some more. So look, he says, what do you see? In verse 8, look, I looked and beheld a tree, like unto the tree which my father saw. The beauty was far beyond exceeding all beauty. The whiteness did exceed the whiteness of the driven snow. This is just interesting little side note. The one and only time the word snow appears in the Book of Mormon, and it's describing the whiteness of the tree. Apparently, the tree glowed. And does it snow in Jerusalem? Yeah, you can Google that, and you can see pictures of snow on the Temple Mount. So Nephi knew what snow was. One of the can of worms I probably won't open is about Book of Mormon geography, but some people use this verse to say, look, snow, ice is not mentioned anywhere else in the, the Book of Mormon. I think there's hail is mentioned when his hail and mighty storm beat upon you. But snow is a mention, which is kind of an argument for a warmer climate. Anyway, but that's a, I always say, uh, the, I have a harder time living what the Book of Mormon teaches rather than knowing where it happened. As soon as I figure out how to live exactly how the Book of Mormon teaches me to, then maybe I'll worry about the geography. What's another look? Well, verse 12, look. And I beheld the great city of Jerusalem and other cities. See, Nephi wanted to see Lehi's dream, but look what he's seeing, the life of Christ. And he beheld a virgin, exceedingly fair and white, and the heavens opened, and angels stood before me and said, What beholdest thou? So now I've got a different narrator. So here's another look. What do you, what do you see? A virgin, beautiful and fair above all other virgins. And then the angel says, Knowest thou the condescension of God? Their entire talks about this. And I said unto him, oh, verse 17 is, is a huge verse for me. And I said unto him, this is Nephi talking, I know that he loveth his children. God loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. That verse was the first verse that I used in a talk that I gave at Columbine High School Seminary after the school shooting in 1999. That verse is such a great way to begin as we try to understand trials, tragedies. What do we know for sure? Well, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. I don't know why this happened, but what do I know? I know God loves his children, but I do not know the meaning of all things. So, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland gave a talk called Lord, I Believe, speaking of the New Testament story where the man wanted his son to be healed. And Jesus asked him if he believed, and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And Elder Holland pointed out that you always start with what you know. Nephi does this. I know God loves his children. If you know that, the rest of your questions change. It's a perfect starting point. Well, I know God loves his children but I don't know the meaning of all things. And when I went to Columbine High School Seminary, that was the approach I took. I can't tell you why this happened. Happened. I don't know. What do we know? Instead of trying to figure out what we don't know, let's make a list of things we do know from a source where the answers don't change. For example, what do we know? We know God loves his children. So don't get to the conclusion, well, I guess God doesn't love me or love us. This verse doesn't allow us to go there. 
actually, we know God loves his children. There's another verse in, what is this? 2 Nephi 26, verse 24. He doeth not anything, save it be for the benefit of his children. So that verse, huge. Verse 17, I know God loves his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. And then verse 20, he's told to look again at the end of verse 19. What do you see? I see a virgin. I looked and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms. One of the subtle points here that President Ezra Taft Benson made was that Mary was called a virgin before and after the birth of Christ. There is a common anti-Mormon argument that because we believe Jesus is literally the Son of God, that we believe that Mary must have had relations in order to have this child. Well, I don't know where they get that. I don't know who has ever said that. It's something I've never heard taught in general conference or in the manuals of the church or in the scriptures. Right here, we have Nephi calling her a virgin again, bearing a child in her arms. However it happened, it was miraculous. And then after Nephi says, or the angel said, Behold the Lamb of God, even the Son of the Eternal Father. I'm in verse 21. Next sentence. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And Nephi answers, It's the love of God which sheddeth, sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Now, I believe that the tree is Christ. We don't have to get too rigid in drawing boundaries about this means this and this means this. But the tree is Christ. And when Nephi says the love of God, I, you know what I think of? is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, verse 22, when Nephi says, It's the love of God which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. It is the most desirable above all things. And the angel spake unto me, saying, Yea, and the most joyous to the soul. Here's another one, verse 24. Look, I saw the Son of God going forth among the children of men. Now, Finally, we're going to get back to Lehi's dream, verse 25. I beheld the rod of iron, which my father had seen, was the word of God, which led to the fountain of living waters or to the tree of life. Verse 26, look, behold the condescension of God. Here's where Jesus was baptized and the Holy Ghost came down and in the form of a dove upon him. So this is an event that wouldn't happen for another almost 600 years, but Nephi is seeing it. It gives us that impression that the history of the world has already been written, and these pivotal events are, are shown him in a vision so that Nephi can speak of it in past tense, and it's kind of the way Isaiah does. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He speaks of it as if it's already happened. And that's perhaps because when prophets see it in a vision, it becomes past tense to them. Verse 30, look, I saw angels descending upon the children of men. They did minister unto them. Verse 31, look, I beheld the Lamb of God going forth among the children of men. And then verse 32, look, and I beheld the Lamb of God taken by the people. The Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world, I saw and bear record. And I, Nephi, saw he was lifted up upon the cross and slain for the sins of the world. In verse 33. So again, Nephi saw a lot more than I think he thought he was going to see. Verse 35. 
the multitude of the earth was gathered together, I beheld that they were in a large and spacious building. Now we're going back to kind of an interpretation thing. Look at the building. And the angel says, or the angel of the Lord says in verse 35, Behold the world and the wisdom thereof. Verse 36 says the great and spacious building was the pride of the world. So it's the pride of the world, it's the wisdom of the world, and it fell, and the fall thereof was exceedingly great. So chapter 11, 1 Nephi 11, is what? Nephi's vision of Lehi's dream. In 1 Nephi chapter 12, Nephi sees the land of promise, the righteousness, iniquity, and downfall of its inhabitants, and the coming of the Lamb of God among them. And going back and forth, he sees in verse 17, the mists of darkness are the temptations of the devil, which blindeth the eyes and hardeneth the hearts of the children of men. Verse 18, I'm still in 1 Nephi 12, the large and spacious building which thy father saw is vain imaginations and the pride of the children of men. Vain, V-A-I-N, means they're, they're worthless. They don't mean anything. And the pride of the children of men. Now, 1 Nephi 13 and 1 Nephi 14, as I said in the 30,000-foot view, we see this vision of the Gentiles in America. And we have a verse of the great and abominable church. Now, there is, and it was included in the included in the student manual and in the ensign, so it has a level of endorsement from the church, an article by Stephen Robinson years ago called Warring Against the Saints of God in the Ensign Magazine in 1988. And one of the things we kick up a little bit of dust with is this idea that there are save two churches only. And one is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. That's 1 Nephi 14.10. And I love the way that Brother Robinson explains this. He says, in 1 Nephi 13, there clearly is an organization that tampers with the scriptures. And the phrase that we often use, 1 Nephi 13.26, is there were things which were plain and most precious which were taken away, and but I always make my students underline the next part, and also many covenants of the Lord have they taken away. So a covenant consciousness is part of the what the restoration restored was covenants. It's on the title page. It's on the last page. And the, there were plain and precious things removed and also many covenants. But then in 1 Nephi 14, it's more typological. The great, the great and abominable church of the devil is more like any organization that fights against Zion. And that is what we read in uh, 2 Nephi 10, verse 16. He that fighteth against Zion, Jew, Gentile, bond free, male, female, shall perish. They are they who are the whore of all the earth. So when we read one, the church of the Lamb of God, and one, the church of the devil... Well, you know, and I know, wonderful, faithful Christians that are not members of our church, I don't think they're part of the church of the devil at all. And so what Stephen Robinson says in his article is, it depends more on who has your heart than who has your records. 
In fact, in section 18 of the Doctrine and Covenants, it says, contend against no church, save it be the church of the devil. So there are churches, organizations we should not contend against, which are not the church of the devil. And that's, that's good to know. That softens it uh, quite a bit because we can kick up some dust with that one. And I think there are people who are striving to follow Christ as best they can, not members of our church. There are some in our church who are not trying to follow. So I like the way Stephen Robinson put it. That's probably more about who has your heart than who has your records. And you can read that article, Warring Against uh, the Saints of God. This, this, these covenants are included with plain and precious things that are taken away. Our knowledge of the covenants, and isn't it wonderful that President Nelson has spoken so much about the Abrahamic covenant and how we are part of the Abrahamic covenant and should be anxiously trying to bring that back. That's part of the covenant path. And part of that covenant obligation is to gather Israel on both sides of the veil. So, 1 Nephi 15 is the last one covered in this lesson plan. And this is kind of after Nephi's visit with this angel. <clears throat> and Laman and Lemuel have some, some questions for him. And they ask him questions about what means the tree, what means the rod of iron. And Nephi gives some great answers to these. I think that the, the part which has meaning for me is 1 Nephi 15, 9, where Nephi says, Have you inquired of the Lord? And they say, We have not. The Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. And before I throw Laman and Lemuel under the bus, I have to tell you, I think I've said that. I think I've told people, I have kind of a hard time getting answers to prayer. And that's because I do. <laughs> and yet... And so I need to kind of repent of that feeling because I feel like for most of the time for me, I can look back and feel like over my life and say, wow, I was being guided and I didn't realize it at the time. And so actually the Lord has made known things unto me, maybe not in the way I expected or not in the timing that I, I thought I wanted, but he has guided my life. And I can look back and say, he has really guided my life. And so maybe I need to be more careful so I don't sound like I'm saying, well, the Lord makes no such thing known unto us, or he doesn't answer my prayers, or I have a hard time getting answers. Well, I get answers, but maybe they're not in the way that I expect, which is, is great. So now we've got Nephi's interpretation of Lehi's dream as he was guided through it by an angel, by the Spirit of the Lord and actually saw the life of Christ unfold and the future of the Nephites and the Gentiles in America unfold as part of this vision and saw places where those two correlate. Fascinating stuff in these chapters. Well, thanks for joining me. We'll look forward to resuming the journey of Lehi and the family when we talk again next. 